Vision and visualization has a The challenge with this piece of Gomorrah has been that when I started with it, it was like a massive mural. It's multi sugyas all over Shas, and on every sugya there are a huge number of, of Rishonim and Achronim and Achronim on the Achronim. It just goes on and on and on. And the, the challenge is to chisel it away to a 15 or 20 minute cameo that we can learn something new in and take something away from. That really has been the, the challenge because we're dealing here with dinim of Grama and Garmi, which we've had before several times at that back on Daphne. Vav, I think we had a, a shear on Grama and Garmi. Grama and Garmi are indirect damages and Grama and Garmi are two different levels of indirectness. Grama is totally indirect, Garmi is partially indirect, and a lot of discussion as to when is it Grama, when is it Garmi, what is the halacha. So Grama, if it's totally indirect, then everybody agrees it's patumi dine adam, that, that a court of law doesn't impose damages. But minashemayim, Hashem holds one responsible. We had a shear on that accountability to a higher authority that when it comes to Nazikin, it's not only a question of compensation. That's one piece of it. But the other piece of it is one's caused somebody else damage, and that's an, that's an issue, that's prohibited, that's an avero, and one is held accountable for that. And if it's garmi, then we paskin that the court of law can impose damages. Uh, if it's this kind of in-between. It's not direct and it's not totally indirect either. It's called Garmi. And as we see in this piece of Gomorrah, that this requirement that you can impose payment for Garmi, according to most Rishonim, is Midrabonan. That means according to the Torah, even Garmi. If it's not absolutely direct damage, you can't impose compensation. But the Rabbonin said if it's Garmi, if it's this in-between indirectness, then the Rabbonin in certain cases impose compensation for those situations, and that's called Garmi. The Ramban holds it's Midoraisa, according to the Torah, you can impose compensation, but most Rishonim hold that it's Midorabonin. With that in mind, we have Rabbo, in this piece of Gomorrah, Rabbo gives four case studies, and, and each of them are, are fascinating, and we can only deal with the the first one, and even that, only in part. And what we'll do is understand an enormous chiddush, an enormous innovation in Rabbah's thinking in his first scenario. What is the first case study? I take a coin of yours and I throw it into the ocean. Patur. You, I don't have to pay you. Again, a court of law can't impose payment on me. Morally, I should pay you. Ethically, I should pay you. I shouldn't have done it. It's a wrong thing to do. All of that. But can a can you claim in court compensation for the coin that I threw into the ocean? You know, and a coin doesn't have to be a shekel or a dime. A coin can be a Krugerrand also. It can be there can be a lot of money involved. It's patur. My timer. What is the reason? Says Rabbo. Omar hamanach kamach. He says there it is. I haven't destroyed it. I haven't taken it away. It's there in the water. Pick it up and you can have it. You buy it shakli if you want it, you can take it. So I've caused you some inconvenience. I understand that. That wasn't very kind of me. But you can't claim anything in law because I haven't taken anything away from you. The coins are there. Says Rabbi, That's if the water is clear. So I can point to it and say, look, there's your coin. It happens to be 20 feet under, underwater, but it's there. You can get it. But if the water is murky and you can't anymore see the coin, this doesn't apply. 
ואני מליד עד ידוע, אבל שקלה ביד מגזל גזלין, ובתוך מה הוא נוקט את עד אביז הנד, הוא לא נוקט את זה, כי זה היה יכול להיות גנב, אם אני נוקט את עד אביו הנד, ואין לו את זה לתוך הסיר, אני הייתי נוקט את זה. אז אנחנו לא נוקטים על זה, אני נוקט את זה, ונוקט את זה, והכוין נוקט את זה לתוך האושן. ואם זה היה גזל, זה היה חשוב בו עם עבד. הרמב"ן You can claim Garmi, that if it's a fairly direct, and this is considered fairly direct damage, What does it help to be able to say, there you are, the coins over there, you can go and get it. How do you go and get it? You've got to hire a diver. Not, not everybody can get into the water. Who knows how deep it is? So you can see it. It's down there. It's very clear water. And, and you can see it, but it, you've got to go diving for it. I'm, I'm causing you loss. That means if you're going to re- recover the value that you had before I hit your hand, you're going to have to invest money in a diver for that. Surely that's damages. And the real answer, I think, to understanding Rabo is in the wording of the Rambam, at the beginning of Perik Zion, where the Rambam says, Hamazik mamon chaviro hezek she'eno nikar. Now, this idea of Hezek She'en Onikar is very much part of the Sugi of Gomorrah here on, and on Amud Beis, which is damage that is not recognizable. So you can have lots of situations like that. For example, you might have an object and I make it Asur Bahana'a. I do something to it that causes you not to be able to have benefit from, from it. For example, I take your Chomets, I take a great bottle of whiskey that you've got, and I keep it over Pesach. And so now it's Chomet She'avar Alava Pesach, and nobody can drink the whiskey. But the, whis- the bottle of whiskey is there. I can say, here, take it. I've destroyed the value, but I haven't changed the form. I haven't changed the matter. I haven't changed the object. That's called Hezek She'eno Nikar. And if one damages somebody in a way that is Hezek She'eno Nikar, says the Rambam, Ho'il velo nishtaneh hadavar velo nifsedat surato. There are two reasons why there would be no tashlum and there would be no such payment. Because number one, the thing is not changed in any way. The bottle of whiskey is as it was before. It's just that it's after Pesach and you can't use it, but, but there's no change. And this is an interesting wording that the Rambam uses. And it's tsura has not been changed. Tsura really means, literally it means it's design. Has not been changed. Now the idea of if Sid Surato, you would have, for example, also in one of the cases here in Rabba's case studies, if you have this this Krugerrand we're talking about, let's not say a Krugerrand in this case, let's say it's a, a regular coin, and I damage, I deface it. But I deface it without in any way detracting from its matter. I'm not filing it away, I'm not removing matter from it. I'm just defacing it. So it's lost value. But the, but the matter is still there. That's nifsedat surato. I've damaged the design, and in the case of a koyan, that causes a great loss. So the Rambam is saying there are two things. Either the, uh, there needs to be a recognizable change in the object, or the, t- the design of the object needs to be changed. In a case where the, neither of these things apply, patur minatashlumin din Torah. Midoraisa, you don't have to pay. What is our case over here? You... Throw the coin into the sea. Is it a case of nishtaneh hadavar? Has the object been altered? No. Has nifsedat surato? Has its form been altered? No. So according to the two criterion of the Rambam in, the, in Halacha Aleph, you're patur midoraisa, you're patur. And we see this even more clearly in, in Rashi. 
where Rashi says, Patuik de Mufarish Vazil, the Lord Shakleb Yade Ledadia, he hit it out of his hand, Shiatabi Yadbalim, Vikao Zeta Kadov, and it's Aliam. Ho ilvitz lulimheim. Since the water is clear, the Kachazule, and you can point at the, at the coin, it's there, have a look at it. Amale Hamanachkame. He says to him, There it is for you. Ve'ena avuda, it isn't lost. It's difficult to get hold of, but it isn't lost. And you might say, yes, but how am I going to get this? It's, it's visible, but it's not accessible. To access it, I've got to hire a diver. Says Rashi, yes, that's true, but that's grama who shigurem lafsidot oschar. The grama That's indirect damage. So again, I'm, it's ethically wrong, it's morally wrong. I'm chayiv midina shemayim. I should compensate him. But you can't claim the diver's fee from me. Because that's indirect damage. So you can't claim the, the value of the coin from me because it's still visible. You can't claim the value, the cost of accessing it because that's indirect damage, says Rashi. Avalachurini, but if the water is murky, avudhu. But if the water is murky, it's lost. That's not groma, that's that's destruction. That's an amazing concept. That means you've ta- taken something and you've hidden it. It's just become invisible. That's called nezek. If it's visible, even though it's not accessible, it's not nezek. If it's v- invisible, even if it is accessible, here Rashi differs with Tosfus, we won't go into Tosfus at the moment, but according to Rashi, even if it's accessible, you could go diving over there and you could feel around, even though you can't see it, you, you would find it. But, but it's not visible. If it's not visible... Ovudhu, it is lost. Just reflect on the meaning of that. If it's not visible, it is lost. Nekzeus HaChoshen says in Shin Peivov, based on the Meki Yosef and the Balamor and the Ramban, Lamanu dechol heicha dechazile patu, Laman de lo dein dinagdigarmi. If it's visible, he's patu. Because then it's, then it's garmi. If you don't hold dinner de garmi, if you're not going to Im- impose indirect damages, if it's visible, it's indirect damage. It's just the cost of going to fetch it. But the object has not been messed around with, neither its form, nor its tsura, neither its, its matter, its mass, nor its form. Neither its chomer, nor its tsura has been messed around with. It's there, it's visible. So this idea of lo nifsadat tsurato, there's something about the visibility of an object that makes it real. And the invisibility of an object creates a situation, as Rashi says, avudhu. And we see that, for example, in the laws of Avilut, how different the laws are once the body is buried. When metomutallafanaf, and the, the dead body is, is there. So you could have a situation where the dead body is there, the funeral has been postponed, and the dead body is there lying in the house for, for two days. That's called metomutallafanaf, and the Avilut doesn't start. The Avelut only starts once it's buried, and it's not a factor of time. It's not a function of time, because you could, have, you could bury the body two hours after the death, and Avelut starts immediately. And with Avelut, the healing process begins. Or you could be two or three days later, and there hasn't been a burial. This is the problem that so many people in our situation today are struggling with. Lost ones who they're not sure if they've died, or they are sure that they died, but the bodies haven't been recovered. Uh, these situations where it's not avud yet, you, you can't begin the healing because it's still, you can, it's still visible. The invisibility creates 
the Aveda creates the loss. So in laws of Nezikim, that has its implications. And in life, that means you can begin to let go of something once it's no longer visible. But for as long as it's visible, it's there in front of you. We can take that to a, a further point of the power of visualization. So if we're saying, just think of what this means. You've got this coin. Whether it's avud or not depends on whether it's visible or not. If it's visible, it's not avud, and it's only grama. The cost of, of recovering it is indirect. If it's invisible, it's a direct damage. You've destroyed it. But I haven't destroyed it. It's the same. The water is different. There's no difference in the two case studies. The two coins are identical. The difference is in the water. The only difference is I can't see it. If I can't see it, it's lost. If I can see it, it's real. So look what the power of visualization is. If you have a goal, if you have an, a, an ambition, whether it's something you want to do today or something you want to do in 10 minutes' time when you put your tefillin on and you start davening or it's something you want to do over the next five years, do you have a vision of it or not? If you don't have a vision of it, it's not real. It's, a, it's an idea. And you may get to it or you may not get to it. But if you can see it, it's real. I was working with a CEO of a, of a very successful company yesterday and he was incredibly frustrated that, that he says when, when he can see the vision ahead. And once he can see it, nothing will stop him. It's, it's reality. It's there. You can see it. He'll go and get it. But the people, he's, the people who report to him, many of them see the obstacles. And I explained to him, it's not that they see the obstacles. There's nothing wrong with seeing obstacles. How will you overcome them if you haven't seen them? It's that they don't see the vision. They can't see what you see at the end of the road. So all they see are obstacles. You see the vision at the end of the road, so you get going. And that's a failure in leadership. You haven't enabled the other person to see. That's what Nevoah is. Lahavdil in a different sense. Nevoah is a Navi can see a vision clearly. And that's why the people couldn't understand Yeshayo and Yirmiyahu, and they come and they talk about what's going to happen in the future, and people don't take them seriously. Why? And they get so frustrated because the people aren't taking them seriously, because they see it, it's real. They see the destruction of the Beis Hamikdash before it happens. They see the coming of Mashiach before it happens. If you see it, it's real. You've got to develop the capacity. If you can't see, you must be able to visualize. To be able to visualize means to be able to make it real because it's avud. If you can't see it, it's lost. It's distant. It's meaningless. It's an idea. It's just a concept. But the moment you can see it, it becomes real. Look at the power of vision in the laws of Nezikin. And vision doesn't just mean that I can see it visually. And that's, that's the danger and the wonder of virtual reality, that you see things. They're not real, but they are real because you can see them. What you can see is real. It's real to you. And once you can see it, you can start dealing with it as if it's real. You can start working with it as, as if it's real. What about this world around us, this beautiful world around us? How real is it? We know that from a physical perspective, it's mostly empty space that the actual material, the matter of this world is, is the size of a cricket ball. If you would compress it all together, it's very, there's very little of it. It's all empty space. It's energy. And yet we can see it. It's virtual reality. Hashem enables us to see it, and that makes it real for us. So we can engage it, and we can do things with it. So it is with anything that you're able to visualize. If you're really able to visualize, you can make it real. Once you lose the vision... Avudhu, as Rashi says, it's lost. It's gone. So when one's davening, it's important to have a vision of what you're doing, who you're standing before. 
שיוויתי את השם לנגדי תמיד, השם, I see השם before me, whatever that means to you, but be able to see something. You, you go through the Shemona Esra and you, all the different things you ask for in the, in the Shemona Esra, see the result. You ask for Das and Bina, see what it's like to have Das and Bina. You ask for Rafua, for good health, see what it's like to be in perfect health. You ask for Panasa, you ask for a good living, see what, that, visualize it, make it real. Don't work with things that are avud, with things that are just murky ideas. Make it real, because the power of vision transforms an idea into a reality.